Ten, 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 pow, 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 colon, pow, colon, pow, colon, pow, colon, pow. Yeah, can you give me another? Colon, pow. Ooh, ooh. I'm going to say, I'll give you another number. I'm going to say eight. Nine. Four. Five. Six. Seven. And can you do me an energy exercise? I just need you to repeat after me. Ooh. It goes like this. It goes like this. It goes, and you don't want a box, man. Trust me. Who told you that I got rusty? And I don't want a box, man. Trust me. Who told you that I got rusty? <laughs> what is that? You don't want a box. You don't want a box, man. Trust me. Trust me. Who told you? Who told you that I got rusty? <laughs> yes. It's by Meridian Dan. It's a UK hip hop song called okay. German Whip. Drive in a German whip. Huh. Drive in a German whip. Huh. And you don't want a box, man. Trust me. Who told you that I got rusty? Mmm. I was talking to Harley about Lou Bega and how he's kind of oddly similar to Scatman because they're like both sort of ethnically ambiguous, like jazzy old men. (laughs) And they're they're both, and their success both came from Germany. From Germany. That's right. And also they both released a song which did really well and then released a pretty closely identical follow-up song which didn't do as well yeah like yeah i mean it was pretty much it was pretty much the well-trodden path of okay this act is a gimmick we can maybe mm. get two to three sing obviously they know the the hit is going to be the hit and then yeah. it's just going to be a, tra- a trail off the only question exactly. is how fast the trail off is yeah it's like okay what about a little bit of melissa in my life <laughs> Do you want to buy that? <laughs> <laughs> or just change the theme, make it about shopping. A little yeah. bit of bread on aisle one, a little <laughs> bit of ketchup on aisle three, off to the freezer section to get my frozen peas. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of pickles makes me your man. And they came out within, I want to say, well, certainly within five years of each other, I think. Oh, there you go. Uh, I, I believe that I'm a Scatman by Scatman John is 95. And I mm. want to say with a fairly decent amount of certainty that Lou Bega's Mumbo number five is 1999. We should do a Lou Bega episode. We should. I, I, don't know if we've, I don't know if we've mentioned this. We must have. That Lou Bega is from... Germany, that he's from Munich, mm. he's Bavarian. It's like people would tell people that and they just go, no, he's he's a black jazz man from New exactly. Orleans. And I go, he certainly is not. He <laughs> is a lederhosen wearing, mm. wheat beer drinking, white sausage for breakfast, scoffing Bavarian. Yeah. School and bow and bow. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Praise the Machine. This is episode number 119. My name is Alexander Holland, and as always, as, 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 as always, I'm sat digitally next to my number one pod brother. He's coming to you live from Paris, France. It's got to be the one called... John Maloney. John Maloney, I'm sitting here uh, sipping on a big old 
cup of coffee. Mm. I did try, I did attempt for a little while not to drink coffee. I was able to do it temporarily. Now I'm back on the coffees. I'm doing a little bit of what I, a little bit of, it's not all in back on the coffee. I'm doing coffee discipline because nothing in my life makes any sense if I can't control it with discipline. So <laughs> I'm allowed to have, so I'm allowed to have one, uh, like one or two, but the, 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 the big thing is, and this is a tip from sleep and general life expert for men, mm-hmm. Andrew Huberman. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people out there will be familiar with the work of Andrew Huberman and Huberman's done a lot of work on sleep. And he says you should try and not have your first cup of coffee until two hours after you've woken. And that is oh. not easy because mm. you wake up and your little silly monkey brain goes, we need some kind of pleasure straight away. Now, for a lot of people, mm. a lot of people will just shove buckets full of breakfast in their head. I'm talking what you, I know your breakfast. I've seen John, you have a bucket of waffles. You have a bucket yeah. of scissor. You have a bucket <laughs> of Coca. You have a bucket of Coca-Cola. Slather it with eight sticks of butter. I keep a little basket of pano chocolates next to my bed so <laughs> so that when i wake up i just fill my mouth <laughs> you refuse to actually get out of bed until you've had a pan of chocolate laying down i'm just going mm, fuck you huberman oh. <laughs> so hubes as i call him big hubes he says mm. he says that uh you shouldn't have your first cup of coffee until two hours after you've woken up because coffee works on, I'm going to forget the name of this now, but whatever the thing is that tells your brain to get tired, mm-hmm. uh, cough, caffeine blocks that. Yeah. And he said, if you're trying to, if you're trying to beat the mid morning, the mid morning, the, the afternoon hump, it doesn't yeah. make sense to do it really early in the morning. Um, mm. you should try and do it a little bit later. And it was mm-hmm. Amazon prime day last week we're not sponsored by amazon prime and i I get it look there's (laughs) issues with buying things from amazon i want to have that conversation again for the 900th time (laughs) but these are unbeatable deals (laughs) you want to tell if you can beat these deals yeah i'm willing to have that conversation with you but until you can beat these deals yeah then leave it out because i was able to pick up a hand coffee grinder that i've had my eye on for a long time yeah and oh my God, it's again, it's just one of these simple items mm. that you bring into your life. And now I yeah. can control the coarseness or the fineness of yeah. my grind every morning. It's bringing me so much joy. John, yeah. what do you think about the hand grinder that I've bought for Amazon Prime Day from Jesse? <laughs> well, this is the first I'm hearing about it. I've got, I've got my own... <laughs> I've got my own little hand grinder and I do love using it. It's, uh, is that true? I, I didn't know that. Yeah. You've got a coffee hand grinder? I do, yeah. And it's, um, what? And I this love it. a revelation. The... I, did... <laughs> I always think of us as being so different. Yeah. Suddenly I feel, for the first time ever, I feel a kinship <laughs> with you. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's, it's just a very nice kind of, uh, tactile experience having the pushing it onto the, you know, like holding it with one hand on the bench, grinding it with the other hand, getting that fresh, sharp coffee smell when I open it, and yeah. there's a nice full bucket of coffee in there. Do you know? And then, do you know what model it is? Was it was it 
did you, uh, look? Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to assume, but I'm I'm kind of blown away because I didn't know that you had this. Mine is a mine is a Kalita brand. Wow, and it's a nice wooden body with little, um, like it looks like a kind of cast iron top. It's a lovely patina, wow. and uh, yeah, I, I like using it. It's it's very when? um very inefficient, but I do. <laughs> and it's much more pleasant than just take, kind of grinding shit in a machine. Yeah, you know what's um the one thing that I was not expecting was qu- quite how long it takes. In my mm. mind's eye, I had this image of well, the beans just need to get through the burrs and then into the mm. little basket. So you give it a few little twisties. You know, maybe it's ten times clockwise. Yeah. yeah. It takes fucking ages. I was like, yeah. I, thought I was doing something wrong the first time. I stood there. Getting a, get my bicep was starting to melt. And I was yeah, just, exactly. I was, it took like, it took like 30 seconds to a minute to grind, uh, you know, one bunch for like a two-cup mocha stovetop pot. Mm. Oh, man, mine takes ages. If I want to do like a pot for me and Jacinta, I'm there. I'm like exhausted before work. I've got I fucking <laughs> tendonitis <laughs> in, my, in my arm. <laughs> 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 How long have you had this for? A uh, couple of years. Um, wow. There's a nice, there's a nice cafe in in Melbourne called Sibby, which has a little shopping section, and they sell lots of kind of, you know, wanky kind of Japanese influenced tools and um, coffee and kitchen things. And uh, yeah, and I bought it there because I just like the feel now of I'm. It. The fact that you've had that for three years and you've not mentioned mm. it just, just makes me think that you just think, yeah, well, obviously I didn't mention it on the podcast because it's incredibly <laughs> boring and I would never <laughs> talk about such a thing. Whereas, whereas it's within days of me <laughs> buying it, I've just got it as the top thing on the agenda for the entire yeah. podcast. Item one, grinder. <laughs> Purchased purchase relatively inexpensive. Item one. Purchase relatively inexpensive hand coffee grinder on Amazon Prime Day. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Just that's what I'll be. That's why. That's why we get keep. That's why we keep being asked to leave all of those meetings with potential partners like Spotify. Mm. I've got that on. Then when they say, "What kind of stuff are you guys going to bring to Spotify?" and I go, "I'll let me start, John." And I stand up to give my. I'm like I'm like George Costanza when Jerry and George go <laughs> yeah, into a right. pitch their show. Nothing. It's about nothing. <laughs> well, well, I mean, it's, it's it's not about nothing. It is. It is about nothing. No, 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 no. It's just, no, it's about the hand grinder. The whole episode is about the, the hand grinder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so shout out to Kalita, show sponsors. Yeah. And I want to say shout out to mine. Mine's a Time More C2. Okay, and I felt like a, I felt like such a hip coffee dude because I went down to my local roastery, and there was a pretty girl behind the cafe uh, behind the counter, mm-hmm. and she asked me in German what I was gonna what I was gonna do with those beans. And at first, I thought it was some weird, inappropriate flirt. Mm. And I said, "That's I said that's none of your business." Which you know, <laughs> that's my that was the first that was the first sentence I learned in German. By the way, when I got that's none of your business. And, <laughs> it's frequent and, usage. <laughs> and then she, and then I told her that I just bought a hand grinder off mm. Amazon Prime, and then I, and then I got a little bit off track, and I said, "Are you familiar with Amazon?" And then I started <laughs> talking about my love for Amazon 
And then <laughs> and then she asked what grinder what I had, and I told her that it was a Timex C2, and she knew mm. all about it. Really? And I might tell you, John, we were making love on the beans within the hour. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you keep finding these beaches? Um, <laughs> there was beans. I said beans. Oh, making love on the beans. Normally it's making love on the sand. Yeah, I know. I did a little Make, I did a fun twist. Sorry, I fucked it up. Um, that's nice. The, <laughs> the idea of you kind of like um, in the intro to, in the intro to duck. No, it, was, it wasn't DuckTales. Who was the rich? Uh, yeah, no, was. that was. was, I, was yeah, thinking I think you're right. I think it was DuckTales. Diving Tales. into. Scrooge McDuck. You've just got a chamber f- full of mounds of beans and you make love in there. <laughs> I like the idea that she was trying to flirt with you. She was like, I've got some beans that need grinding. And you're like, oh, cool. Yeah, it's a C2. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm busy today, um, but I can bring it around. I, can, I could bring it tomorrow. What time are you here on Wednesday? What time do you get in? Honestly, you don't um, need me to do it for you. Just just get one. It's Amazon Prime Day. <laughs> it's, look, it's Amazon. Look, uh, Prime Day started today, which means it's also Amazon Prime Day tomorrow, but I wouldn't leave until the next day because it's going to go up 15%. So uh, I don't know. Do you have an Amazon account? If you, I can show you how to sign up for one if you want. Are you familiar with Jeff Bezos? So, Al, I'm at the tail end of my journey to France, and I want to say once again, congratulations to Sammy and Harley on their wonderful wedding, which was a marvelous evening. And I want to say bonjour. Thank you, Napoleon. Yeah, I want to say thank you, Napoleon, for (laughs) redesigning this beautiful city um, and spearheading a revolution, even if you then tried to take over Europe. But, um, you know, we all get a bit excited. Uh, and I want to say bonjour and bonsoir and bon année yes. and bon jeune and bon voyage and bon chance and bon appetit to all of our French uh, DPTMers who have met along the way. <laughs> um, but Yeah, have you been <clears throat> plugging the podcast to the, to the French community? Yeah, we gonna mentioned get, it. Are we going to get that French bump? Yeah, we're going to get that French connection. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been... That Marseille mound on the... Yeah. Uh, on exactly. The, uh, on, the, on the download stats. <laughs> oh, look, we got the Marseille mound because I was really <laughs> spruiking the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. A couple of people at the wedding, you know, once I'd had enough to drink, I was quite happy to... to just boast about the podcast. Um, and, but I've been back in Paris now for a couple of days ahead of leaving. And one thing that I was reminded of when I come to Europe is the exceptional convenience for me as a person on crutches of visiting a gallery or museum. Uh, actually earlier in the trip, the first time I was in Paris on this trip, I've been a few times before. Uh, but, um, Jacinta and I came to the Musée d'Orsay, famous art museum, and uh, it was about 4.30 and the museum shut at 6. So normally you might think to yourself, oh, well, I'll probably be 
in a line for half an hour, so it's not really worth it. But I remembered, and, and Jacinta started lining up, and I was just like, no, nah, don't worry about that. And I walked <laughs> straight to the front <laughs> of the line, and they, and they tre- treated me like I was a foreign dignitary. They, like, opened the doors. <laughs> they didn't even let me go through the metal detector. So esteemed was I uh, that yeah. they thought, you get in for free. That is, which, that is like and, diplomatic treatment where they don't check your bags or anything. Exactly. They're like, you get in for free, you cut the line, and you can bring a bomb in with you if you want. Um, <laughs> and... and uh, <laughs> Yeah. And I love that. I, I, you I get love... a two-bomb allowance. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I've had some, they understand, I've had some setbacks in other contexts. So <laughs> if I need to bomb bomb the museum, that's just swings and roundabouts. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it's funny because that's not a courtesy that my own country extends to me. I have to pay $4,000 if I want to go to the museum in Melbourne, but, uh, <laughs> and wait in line, but, um, it always kind of strikes. So it's a, it's a noticeable difference when I come to Europe and it reminded me of a story that I'm not sure I've told on the podcast before, but it's, it's a, it's a story from many years ago from the first time that I discovered this, uh, feature of coming to, coming to galleries and museums in Europe. And I was in, yeah, I was in Florence and it was my first time there. And Florence has the famous Uffizi Gallery. And, uh, and I was, there was a very long line, even though I'd gotten there earlier in the day. And so I was waiting in the line, uh, because I didn't at that stage know that I had this entitlement. And this woman walked past and she was with, I think, a kind of a group of, um, athletes with disabilities, like a kind of a sports team. And so she, she walked past and very kindly noticed that I was on crutches and came over and said to me in very broken English, like she, she didn't speak much English at all, but she managed to communicate that I did not have to wait in line and kind of enthusiastically waved me to the front of the line, uh, along with her, with her colleagues and these athletes. So I joined them. And I was very grateful, uh, and I thought maybe she was just, you know, doing this because they were part of it, because they had sort of a, a status as a particular team. But anyway, I soon realized that I was entitled to go in for free, uh, and cut the line. And that was great, but this woman was still there kind of being very helpful to me to the point of being slightly getting up in my space and... Yeah. So and then and then she she was c- trying to communicate something to me and I wasn't sure what it was and then I realized that she was proposing to hire me a wheelchair which I didn't need. Ah. And uh but I was, you know, I was a bit younger then. I was probably a bit less experienced in these interactions and more just inclined to go with the flow. Although I might do this I might do it the same way if it happened to me again today. But anyway, I just kind of said, yeah, yeah, okay. If you want to hire me a wheelchair, I'll just, you know, jump in and out of politeness and then she'll, <clears throat> she'll leave and I'll just kind of leave it somewhere or like return it or something. Yeah. So I, so I got in the wheelchair and then she starts pushing me, uh, in the wheelchair. 
And who are you? Who are you with? I was by myself. Uh, okay, so that's part of the issue, and uh, and and I I think probably part of it was like at that stage, most of it was would have been me thinking. I don't really like. I I remember refusing, going, "No, no, that's thank, that's very kind of you. Yeah. It's not necessary." And she just kind of wasn't understanding what I was saying, and going, "No, no, yeah. no, no, just, no." Just for context, uh, mm. I've in my entire life of knowing you, John, I've never seen anybody push you in a wheelchair. Yeah, no, it's not something I'm familiar with, really, or need. Uh, and I was on my crutches, which I was happy to be on the duration of my visit and uh and so she starts pushing me around the gallery and i and because she's not really understanding that i don't need that and eventually i was just like i think part of me was like well i can't really um you know without being kind of quite forceful and possibly offending this woman i can't really avoid this situation but also i thought this will be a fun story so I just, doing it for the I just, plot. yeah, I was doing it for the plot. I just gave up <laughs> and let her push me around the gallery, and uh, and that was fine. Except that she can't. She'd obviously been there before, I think, because she was Italian, and she was sort of making calls for me about like, no, nah, no, nah, you don't want to see what's down there. We'll just keep moving. <laughs> and I was like, actually, I was, I was quite interested in that, and. Uh, <laughs> And so we'd be, and then I, she was making artistic decisions for you about the relevance or quality of work. (laughs) And then she was curating. Was it a museum or an art gallery? It's a, it's a bit of both, but it's primarily an art gallery. And, uh, and it's got a lot of kind of, um, yeah, famous Italian painting and sculpture. Impressionism, impressionism is overrated. We're going, she's really nationalistic going, no, we're just (laughs) going to be looking at Renaissance stuff today, bro. Exactly. And, uh, and I was, yeah, I just remember kind of craning my neck going, oh, I would have liked to spend a bit more time with that painting. (laughs) And she was doing this thing where she'd go, she'd (laughs) stop, she'd, she'd pull me up in front of a painting, you know, and then, and then the wheelchair would come to a stop. And then after a few seconds, she'd go, okay. And then I'd like, it was like your time, your viewing time is over. <laughs> and, uh, and so then eventually I kind of got sick of this cause I was like, oh, there are a few galleries that we skipped over that I want to, uh, have a proper look at. So I just went to the toilet and managed to insist at least at that stage that I didn't want any toileting assistance. And, um, and then I just like stayed in the toilet for a bit, abandoned the wheelchair in the toilet and got, and ran out of there, got out of sight and just went, just continued the gallery on my own. Um, so I hope she wasn't concerned, uh, but, uh, had to take matters into my own hands at that point. Um, so yeah. And I got to tell you, Back in those days, I was a young man. I had a bit to prove. I didn't like to be coddled. I wanted to do things the same way everyone else did them. But I don't know, 40 years old now, I reckon I'd be quite happy to be pushed around a museum. Uh, so would you if just anyone take, wants to... Would you, yeah, would you take somebody else's decisions for what you'd see? You'd be, mm. I like the idea that, you'd, that you would travel all the way to a particular city <laughs> to see a particular piece or some yeah. pieces in a particular 
gallery and then you would just get there and somebody would offer to push you around and you just go, oh yeah, whatever, I guess I'll just see whatever they <laughs> want to show me now. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's right. You just end up at Madame Tussauds. Yeah, just, pushes, exactly. just pushes you to Madame Tussauds straight away. You get in the chair and she just turns the chair around and just leaves the gallery. <laughs> just goes yeah. to Madame Tussauds. Suddenly I'm like at the Hard Rock Cafe. I'm like, this is holy hey, shit out. It is, uh, how do you, it is, how do you say, uh, Harry Styles? <laughs> <laughs> And I'm just have going. They got Keanu. Is they got Keanu Reeves? <laughs> uh, they used to have uh, Keanu Reeves. I will ask the man. Do you have Keanu? Reeves? Yeah. Do you know they have uh, Taylor Swift? I think uh, the new one is a uh, Lizzo. <laughs> <laughs> give a shout out to my cousin Henry who visited me from Australia this week. He stayed with me for three nights in Casa de Holbag. You know it mm. so well. You know that green velvet couch where a man can rest his head after yeah. an intercontinental journey. So Henry stayed with me for three days. Oh, nice. a great old time. We had a great old time together. But beyond the great old time that me and Henry Schultz had... What was much more important to me is that he gave me a great idea for a splag. And he mm. said, Al, I think you and John will be interested in what your good old mate Jonah Hill has been up to <laughs> in the last week. He's popped up in the news. Mm. And I think there's a lot of elements of that story which might be fun to kick around. Yeah. And it sure was. It had a lot of the elements that I love, which is mm. kind of like when Hollywood sanctimony goes wrong and people who had presented themselves <laughs> as being this kind of modern, mm. progressive, almost like feminist icon. They're so they're yeah. sensitive. They're in touch with their emotions. And you just yeah. think, look, look at how much better Hollywood is than us. Aren't yeah. they leading the way? Ahead of the curve. And then it, ahead of the curve. And then this week in the news, uh, it was reported that an ex-girlfriend of Jonah Hill, so I think he was with maybe a year ago because he's, mm. had, he's recently had a child with another mm. woman and I think that relationship began after this one with yeah. ex-girlfriend Sarah Brady. So Sarah Brady's a surfer uh, yep. and Sarah Brady was dating Jonah Hill a year ago and she's come out this week and released a whole bunch of texts back and forth between her mm. and Jonah saying that he was emotionally abusive Mm. during the relationship mm. and that she was just working through that. And part of working through that was releasing all the text on social on, media. Yeah. On social media. And Jonah Hill has very famously been a little bit of a champion of mental health and therapy. He famously mm. released a documentary in 2002, which came out on Netflix, yeah. which was Stuts. Yeah. And that's directed by him in the film chronicles, the life and career of psychiatrist, Dr. Phil Stutz or Stutz, and that's Jonah Hill's therapist. And he's been very public 
uh, about his own mental health battles mm-hmm. in the past, Jonah Hill. Mm-hmm. So I thought, man, what? Well, look at me over. Look, I stub my toe and I do a mm. swear word. And I beat myself up about that for weeks, about how emotionally dysregulated I was that I allowed my emotions to cr- just build up and to the point where I stubbed my toe. I said, oh, God, son it. And I think <laughs> you shouldn't have said that, Al. Jonah Hill wouldn't have said that because he made that movie Stuts and he's gone <laughs> so much therapy. <laughs> he doesn't hold any kind of undesirable emotions. But yeah. Sarah Brady said that in his texts and his emotionally abusive texts, he was essentially, and this is what makes the story interesting, is that he was using what might best be described as therapy speak or therapy language, which I think most people will recognize a lot of this language. So he was writing to her uh, and he was, it's written here, attempting to establish a number of, in air quotes, boundaries Mm. he wished to see in their relationship and the boundaries that he said he had if she was going to be in a relationship with him he had texted her and said his boundaries were she Mm. wasn't allowed to surf with men yeah model post pictures of herself in a bathing suit uh post sexual pictures Mm. difficult for a surfer exactly Mm. yeah what's the uh What's the what's the kind of radius in the ocean that you would need around you <laughs> that would qualify as not surfing with men? Do mm. they need to be? Are we talking not in the same like one kilometer one kilometer radius of exactly. ocean around you? Like not she can't be between the flags if there's a man between the flags. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she wasn't allowed to have friendships with women who are in unstable places. And I'm guessing mm. that's unstable places as decided by Jonah Hill by from Jonah. Superbad. From her wild recent yeah. past. Beyond getting a lunch or coffee or something respectful, he said. Yeah. Interesting. Exactly. Okay. And so this is uh, this has popped off on the news this week, of course, because everybody's looking for... for a, we love a little bit of a fall from grace from a Hollywood, especially somebody who stands up there and basically lectures to everybody else, if not Mm. directly, then indirectly. Look at me. Look at how therapy is making me so much of a better man, and I'm such a cool modern man. And it turns out he's just like a misogynist, controlling weirdo, (laughs) and he's using the lens of therapy speak, the filter of therapy speak. And it's, it's been a bit of a discussion point because... Because I, I, I guess there hasn't been a huge public discussion about what is termed therapy speak, but everybody yeah. recognizes that it kind of, it's sort of p- popped into the uh, the vernacular. Is that the right word, mm, John? Is that the what vernacular? Is? Yeah, what it's popped into the vernacular over the last few years. I actually found a, a New Yorker article from two thousand and twenty-one uh, yeah. entitled "The Rise of Therapy Speak." So it has mm. been bubbling away. Right. And anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, I've made a whole checklist of words here. Oh, great. So we got the classic. We've got anything that's triggering. Yeah. Anything that's triggering, something that causes you to have an unpleasant emotional reaction, that's triggering. Yeah. Uh, with boundaries. Mm. Boundaries is a big one. That's the one Jonah was using. You might say something like, oh, you know, probably used correctly. It would be something like my mother-in-law is too controlling and is trying to, you know, trying to get into my mine and my husband's parenting. I got to set yep. boundaries, clear yeah. boundaries. Fair enough. Then we got we got checking in. 
We got Checking sitting with in. my discomfort. We got projecting. We got oh, yeah. just wanting to name the feelings. Yeah. We got coping yeah. mechanisms. We got codependent. You want to feel seen. You want to feel heard. You want to be <laughs> doing the work. Oh, you want to be work. dealing with one. your trauma. Trauma's an absolute big. Trauma's a real big one at the moment. Yeah. You want to be... Holding space. Mm, holding uh, space. A couple that I got, a couple that I had used on me on a recent date, which made me think maybe this person wasn't really for me, was that <laughs> they weren't responding to basic texts about this person had agreed to go on a date with me and she yeah. had said, I'm interested, I like this, let's go on a date together. And I'm a no nonsense guy. You know me, John. Yeah. I'm a no nonsense guy. And so I just said, cool, here, let's work out the logistics of this. So I said, how about this place, this date, this time? No mm-hmm. reply. And then I wrote her at the end of the evening. I wrote that in the morning. Wrote at the end of the day. Hey, yo, I'm an just so we get this clear. I'm an nonsense guy. We got the logistics here worked out. Do you want to go on a date with me? If so, tell me a day yeah. that suits you if the one that I gave you didn't work. And she said, Alex, I'm so sorry that I didn't get back to you. Uh, I've just been talking to my therapist recently and it's just really important for me that I check Uh in with myself and feel grounded, which I didn't think had a lot to do with the fact that she'd not responded (laughs) to my need to nail down some logistics about a day. Yeah. I just didn't sound like anything. And um, (laughs) I said to her, yeah, I'm just feeling pretty grounded and checking in with myself. And myself is telling me that you're a dick. And that was the end of our relationship. <laughs> yeah. Although I remember when you, when you came to me today and you said, uh, or about today, and you said, I want to do a schlag about Jonah Hill. And I said, I don't know if that, like, that's a bit complicated. I'm not sure that we should. And you said, look, if... I'll tell you what I need for a podcasting partnership. And that is when I, (laughs) one of my boundaries is when I put an idea to you, we have to (laughs) run with that idea because I find compromise very triggering. And you said, you said I came from a, an upbringing where I was made to compromise too often and I find it. And so now, so now it's very important to me that, my ideas get first priority. I said, okay, well, if that's one of your boundaries, we'll do it. Because a, a boundary is a boundary is a boundary. You can't, you can't say to someone, that's an unreasonable boundary, Jonah, uh, because we're not living in Saudi Arabia. So I'm probably just going to surf in a swimsuit like a normal person. <laughs> um, and if you, what's, what's wrong with you that you don't want to model uh, to be your girlfriend. That's the dream of yeah. every heterosexual man. <laughs> Whenever I owe people money and they ask mm. for it back, <laughs> I'll often say that I'm not really feeling seen right yeah, now. Exactly. I'm not really feeling, I'm not really feeling heard. And I feel like as my friend requesting that money back months later, it's not really holding space for me. <laughs> And I'm feeling like this relationship's becoming a little bit codependent and that you're using me and my owing you money as a coping mechanism. And I really feel like you're projecting right now. 
Yeah. And what I think you need to do as a person who is owed money by me is just <laughs> sit with that discomfort. Just, <laughs> just check in. Just check in. Just be grounded. And for yeah. God's sake, do the work. <laughs> Yeah, I like some of this because he's he's sort of um, here we go. He's kind of I mean he's there's the text that you shared where he's he's talking about here are my boundaries, and yeah. then he says I'm not comfortable with you posting bathing suit pictures. Yeah, nor may I ever want that from my partner, and I reserve that right, and I am open about it. It's like well, you might be open <laughs> about it, but it's it's not reasonable. And then he says. <laughs> We'll respect you either way, but these are my boundaries of this romantic relationship. Thanks. I'd love to know before the premiere, so I'm not put the, in the position of publicly flaunting our love if my boundaries are going to be continued to be disrespected. That would be hurtful and triggering for me. So he's really like just dolloping on the therapy speak there. And then, and then he's later saying, I'm tired of your attitude towards surf culture. What the hell? What the hell? Uh, and then he makes reference to, um, fuck that contest, fuck that place and fuck not respecting me always in every situation within surf culture. Uh, That's and then he says, definitely the therapy's working then, Jonah. Exactly. Yeah. And then he says, uh, get it. I don't know if you get it or care or give a shit about that shit more than me even after Dr. Stern has said it loud and clear. And Dr. Stern was their couples <laughs> therapist. So he's basically using... Oh, no. He's sort of weaponizing their visits to the couples therapist to kind of lecture her about his unreasonable demands, which I like. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, it is funny, isn't it? Because you kind of... I think it's exposed... I mean, I, uh, you know, I sometimes feel like a grumpy old man about this stuff because I, I'm certainly of the view that it's generally a good thing that people are open about their mental health and they're happy to talk about it. But I do find some of the kind of saturation of the vernacular with these terms a bit grating. And also I think people use them in ways that are slightly disingenuous, like, oh, I can't come into work today because I'm just sitting with discomfort. It's like, well, that's life, mate, you know? What do you think the money's for? Um, yeah, when you're supposed to sit with discomfort in your chair at your desk at work. <laughs> Not on but the I couch think, in front of the TV. Exactly. Yeah. It's fucking, it's a law firm. It's it's meant to be triggering. I'm, today I'm just lying with discomfort. Yeah. I'm laying exactly. down with discomfort all day with my feet up. Yeah. I'm just smoking a joint at home. Uh, watching daytime TV and eating a bucket of wings with discomfort. Um, but I want to say thank you to Jonah because um, he's come a long way from just being a kind of, being a sort of, being being that kind of clown sidekick in a variety of teen movies. Uh, he's really, he's really built up a lot of boundaries. To being a misogynist icon, I can see him. I could. He should just now. Now that, now that he's sort of fucked himself over for a bit as a as a little bit of a controlling misogynist, I just think he mm. should go all in and become a kind of manosphere Tate adjacent influencer. Mm, totally. I mean, all all the things he was saying are the kind of shit that 
Andrew Tate's crowd very much subscribes to that, right. you know, women should pick a partner and yep. then they're not allowed to have friendships or show parts mm. of their body or surf with other men. I also, I also love about this, that, um, this interesting thing happened after this story came out where it was just a pile on of grievances that people had about Jonah Hill mm. that they, that of course they didn't feel brave enough to actually say before he was outed as a prick because, yeah. you know, they thought, well, I can't say, I don't want to say anything negative about Jonah when he's still a bit of a darling of mm. Hollywood. And so they just waited until, until this, uh, <laughs> until his ex-girlfriend came out and said that he was a controlling misogynist. And then mm. I swear to God, I, I Googled him this morning for this splag and I found no less than four articles that have nothing to do with this incident, but have all come out within the last week. So we've got oh. Jay Baruchel says he genuinely hated Jonah while filming This Is The End. Real Housewives star Bethany Frankel claims Jonah Hill made her feel like a loser. Zoe 101's Alexa Nicholas accuses Jonah of predatory behavior when she was 16. Jonah Hill's uh, denies this through his management. And then on surfermagazine.com spotted Jonah Hill surfs alone in Malibu amid Sarah Brady allegations. <laughs> That's my favorite one. Just like go, going for a forlorn surf. <laughs> yeah. So they all came from Buzzfeed, the mirror, the AV club deadline.com. So there's just, the, oh, the, the other one, uh, the other one was a, bit, a little bit of an Australian touch was uh, Fifi Box. Are you familiar with Fifi Box? Oh, Celebrity yeah. Celebrity interview yeah. of Fifi Box? Yep. Fifi Box details her uncomfortable Jonah Hill interview. It was a oh. scary moment. Wow. What was that about? She asked him the wrong question about forgetting Sarah Marshall and he kicked off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it was something to do with, uh, he had apparently, I mean, this seemed inappropriate, but... But the, the other hilarious thing about this is when I read that article, the headline suggested that it had just happened. They didn't mm. give context or a time window. So it happened over 10 years ago. He was in right. Australia, I think, promoting some crappy film. Yeah. And I think, I think I have this right. I think he may have, he may, she may have claimed, Fifi Box may have claimed that he'd had a brief rendezvous with a celebrity friend of hers and uh -huh. then not... Uh, called back and she thought it appropriate to raise this in the interview mm -hmm. and then he said he apparently got upset and nobody heard about that until this week yeah well you know i've got a few um uncomfortable <laughs> Jonah interactions on. that i think that i might <laughs> i might have to put pen to paper in the next few days um, um and so yeah shout out to jonah our mm. favorite our favorite misogynist, our favorite controlling misogynist, Jonah Hill. And as I was saying to you in the week, John, my mm. main concern beyond this about Jonah is that I'm concerned he might be the first Hollywood celebrity to overdose on Hollywood weight loss wonder drug Ozempic because yeah, he's been he, smashing it. He has been absolutely, he's been racking up line after line of Ozempic <laughs> on his iPhone screen, just tooting down. In a stranger's kitchen at 10 a.m. on a Sunday, mm. just doing, just doing, just calling up the Ozempic dealer again. <laughs> the Ozempic dealer saying, I just came there a few hours earlier. 
But yeah. I'm going to get that bag, Jonah. So I'll, I'll pop around again. My main concern is, um, is that I'm not going to be able to watch the Lego Batman movie anymore. Um, my cheap voices. <laughs> if I have to separate the flute from the flautist <laughs> when it comes to his voice acting, I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs>